0: Good Saturday morning. It is Saturday sports talk live from the Budweiser studios of Cumulus Broadcasting. I'm Joel Silverberg joined by Logan Ward this morning. We will take you up until 12 o'clock. Eric Kane will be along later on in the show. He is out covering Tennessee football practice. Full padded practice is here. So fall camp got underway last weekend. Now they're suiting up in full pads. And we are less than four weeks away from football time in Tennessee. Very exciting time of the year. We invite you to join us at 656-9900, 656 9900 star 990, a free call for AT&T and U.S. cellular customers. But a fun time of year. And you can also text the show now at 656-9900, and we can get to your comments via the text line. So, a way for you to engage with us that way also. Again, I'm Joel Silverberg with Logan Ward here on Saturday Sports Talk, taking you from nine to noon. But, Logan, I know we keep saying like every major headline that comes up or spring meetings or media days or the start of fall camp, but you know, football season is really starting to pick up legitimate steam. We got high school football starting in 13 days.
1: Yeah. I mean, I always kind of say, and I think, you know, most people would agree with me. I always look at the start of football season is SEC media days, but that's just what we have now called Steve Spurrier famously called talking season. I have now changed that to talk about season because every media member down in Atlanta this year, well, not every media member, but a few were saying, Hey, coach, talk about this. Hey, you know, Hendon hooker, talk about this. Now we're starting to get into actual stuff with substance. We get to see practice videos, from our media here at Tennessee, the people who go out there and do a fantastic job um, covering practice for Tennessee every single day, we get to see actual videos. We get to see coaches, players, head coaches comment on everything across the country. And this isn't just a Tennessee. This is around the SEC. What is Florida going to look like this year? Big game for Tennessee this season. We're starting to get some actual on-the-field looks at these teams, and it is incredibly, incredibly exciting. What, we're 26 days away? Right? Yeah. From Tennessee football kicking off. Yep. I mean <laughs> twenty six cr- days. Crazy. Crazy.
0: Twenty-six days, and that will be when Tennessee takes on Ball State on Thursday night, September first. Be a seven o'clock kickoff. And then the first Saturday game will be at Pitt the following weekend. The first Saturday game at Neyland will be on September 17th against Akron. And then the SEC schedule starts with Florida, LSU, Alabama, and so on. So we are getting there. And now we're talking about guys suiting up in full pads. It's a very exciting time of the year to have college football back, especially when you have momentum that Tennessee has been seemingly generating over the course of the past six or seven months, especially when you look at a decent ending to the 2022 recruiting class, you'd got some guys in the transfer portal. Yes. You lost some guys to the NFL draft to graduation, but you have two of your biggest offensive pieces coming back. You've got a couple of defensive leaders coming back. There are question marks on the defense throughout, but you are not fully devoid of talent. And I think for Tennessee, especially with what it returns on offense, there's been a lot of chatter about Tennessee from a national standpoint. And I, you know, I still have reservations about the defense being able for Tennessee to, to break out and maybe surprise people to the point of being, you know, 10 and two or 11 and one, but can Tennessee have its first eight win regular season in five years, six years,
1: uh, Yeah, I I think it's possible, and I think nine wins is certainly on the table. I think so, too. I think, heck, I think ten wins is on the table. Now, I I am picking them to go eight and four like I think a lot of uh, people are, but a whole lot of fans are picking them to go nine and three, so I think anywhere in between that eight to nine wins, if you have a bad injury, a bad loss... Seven wins, ten, I feel like is 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 very, very unlikely. A whole bunch of things have to go right for Tennessee. And quite frankly, Joel, we haven't seen a whole bunch of things go right for Tennessee in a while. Probably since 98 whenever the team won the national title, I don't get the sense that there's a whole lot of optimism that Tennessee is going to go ten and two. So I think you come down to that eight nine win category, and hey, that's progress. Now with those eight wins, the question would be, who are the four losses to? If the four losses are to your four quote-unquote big rivals, that being Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and then throw a Kentucky or a South Carolina or or, or Pitt, for, for that matter, in there, then you start to think, okay, was progress really being made? If you can get up to nine and get one of the big three, maybe you split the Florida-LSU games, that's a big sign of progress. And with that, though... You can't have, playing the three-quarter game against Alabama and Georgia, that's great. Yes, in year one, you should be able to do that. You can kind of hang your hat, take a, we all hate to say this, a moral victory. But in year two, after what you have coming back on offense and all the optimism and positive vibe and just you know good thoughts that Tennessee football is getting it's time to go out and play a four-quarter ball game against the big boys. And Tennessee hasn't done that in quite some time.
0: Yeah. And and I I know that there's optimism because of strong first halves or first three quarters against Florida, Alabama, or Georgia. But Tennessee, you know, that's the thing is that for all three of those schools, Tennessee more times than not over the last 15 years has not been competitive. Now, in more recent history, they've had more competitive games against Florida really just with the Butch Jones era. Derek Dooley was not particularly competitive against Florida for four quarters. Butch Jones easily should have had three more wins against the Gators yeah, probably. than he did. You know, the hell Mary game, uh, Tennessee was in a position to win that one. Quentin Dormady through three picks shouldn't have happened. Um, the 2015 game, Tennessee had a 13 point lead in the fourth quarter blew it. And then the previous year before that in 2014 at home, Tennessee had a nine point lead in the fourth quarter and lost to a backup quarterback, so you have three games right there that you feel like Tennessee really should have had. Um, Alabama, there's really only been one game that Tennessee has been competitive in for 60 minutes. I understand what happened last year, but it it really was a for the record, we could have done this at any time. Feeling from Alabama, I, I think, I think, and I think Tennessee w- had legitimately a, a talented team last year and a good offense. But they did. I also think that it was not at the capability of being able to withstand a powerhouse like alabama for 60 minutes and i'm i think to a degree alabama probably slept on tennessee a little bit i mean alabama nearly won a national championship last year they won the sec there were bigger fish to fry on alabama's schedule last year than tennessee and i and i think that's kind of what's happened a lot when Tennessee has these good starts and these good first halves, I think a lot of it is some of these teams are overlooking Tennessee. Now they can't get away with that this year because Tennessee's offense have pro- has proven to be very, very potent, especially under Hennan Hooker. And if that continues to be the case, teams are going to be ready week in and week
1: out for Tennessee.
0: I think Tennessee still good enough to be able to put up numbers and put up points, but
1: you're not going to get teams falling asleep on the balls this season. It's just what do those big games look like for Tennessee You know, back in the Butch Jones era, whenever they had talent, they had so many, and quite frankly, they had a little bit of talent with Jeremy Pruitt, but, and he always got up there and said, hey, we are making progress against the big boys, against the Floridas, against the Georgias, against the Alabama. Recruiting rankings, sure, they might say that. They said that during the Butch Jones era, whenever he was recruiting top 10 classes. But on the field, when there's four score differences... Between the two teams, it's really hard to kind of sit here and say, okay, Tennessee is making progress. You don't want to blow out this year. Georgia came up here to Knoxville last year, did whatever they wanted to. They were the most talented team in the country. They obviously won the national championship. Alabama, the second most talented team in the country, won the SEC, almost won the national title. Now, Tennessee's certainly not on that level. Now, with this being said, I think saying all this those are two guaranteed losses, I think, in my mind. I get that some people have picked Georgia to be a win. I I don't see it. Georgia's going to be a really, really good football team this year, clearly. I think with those two losses, signs of progress, signs to so true progress, and to, hey, get up there to play with the big boys year in, year out, that puts a whole lot of stress, Jill, on the LSU and Florida game. You've got to get one of those two. You have to. There's no excuse that you should not get one of those two. And the main one being Florida.
0: I think you need Pitt, and it's not just because, from a prestige standpoint, Tennessee should should be better than Pitt. I think the reason that you need Pitt is because last year you didn't get Pitt, and you played better than Pitt last year. Yeah. And that was with Hendon Hooker not starting the game. That was not Hendon Hooker's best performance. I still thought the better team lost the game. Between those two teams last year, and and Pitt had a phenomenal season. Kenny Pickett had a really good year, but I was just not convinced that Tennessee had no business winning that game when it was all said and done. And and so, it thought, and and look, it, that Tennessee caught some tough breaks. Uh, They, I, I think they got jobbed on that third down play that led to the failed fourth down conversion inside the Pitt ten yard line. But all in all, I thought that Tennessee outplayed Pittsburgh for four quarters and still lost the game. And if Tennessee continues to be competitive against these really good teams and you start competing for 60 minutes, you're still going to have close games that you lose, but you can't go out and lose to Florida by 24. You can't go out and lose to Alabama by 28. You can't lose to Georgia by 24. I I just think for Tennessee, you've got to be more competitive and, and we got to stop looking at lines as the barometer.
1: Oh yes, we do. You
0: know, and it, it was set on this station before last season when a very early line in the summer came out that had Tennessee as a 33-and-a-half point favorite against Alabama that, hey, if Tennessee could cover that spread, that'd be a big deal. No, it wouldn't. Tennessee losing to Alabama by 32 is not impressive. So I, I just think once the spreads start to get that ridiculous, covering the spread is not impressive, a, a, especially like the 2020 season, that backdoor cover that Tennessee had against Florida with a late fourth-quarter touchdown on fourth down when Tennessee was already down by three scores. That's not impressive to me. That should not be impressive to anybody. I I just think Tennessee should think better of itself with where it is at as a program, especially now with the offense that it has. Tennessee losing by only 20 points to a team should not be impressive against anybody this season because
1: Tennessee is the offense to put up points. If I'm giving you 8-4 and this year, I'm giving that to you. Four losses, okay, two guaranteed to Georgia-Alabama. Your other two come in a mixture of, I'll throw Pitt in there, but I think that they just dog Pitt a week two. I, I the would other think two at
0: lo- LSU, I, I know that Tennessee's yeah, coming uh,
1: off a bye, but going to Baton Rouge, that ain't a cakewalk. So the other two losses come from one of Pitt, Florida, LSU, Kentucky but those other two losses are blowouts. So you go eight and four, but your four losses are just blowouts. It's, if all four
0: of your losses are blowouts, that's not going to make people happy because if let's say Tennessee beats Kentucky, that means two losses are to are likely to either pit Florida or LSU. Maybe Brian Kelly ends up doing a really good job quickly with the talent that he does have coming back and maybe. he figures out the quarterback situation with Jaden Daniels or Miles Brennan or whoever. Um, but if Tennessee gets blown out by Pitt or Florida, that's going to make people upset. Because Florida, it, it has not been a great offseason. They've got a first-year head coach. And Pitt is taking a downgrade at quarterback and has lost its best wide receiver. I I, I don't think there's a situation where that's okay. No, not at all. Like 8-4, and four, I think you're looking at it as, okay, well, be better in 2023 or else is the situation you're looking at. It's going to feel like a very dry eight and four. Because eight and four is not the standard at Tennessee either. And that's why when you go through a stretch or a slump, like Tennessee has gone through only losing to Alabama by three touchdowns is impressive. Having it as a one score game in the fourth quarter is impressive and winning eight games in a regular season is impressive because Tennessee hasn't done it since 2016, but it was a disappointment when Tennessee did it in 2016. So I, I think, Getting to a better place where if you're if you're getting blown out by teams that aren't in the top 10, then you've got bigger problems than just Florida, Alabama and Georgia on the schedule every year, six, five, six, ninety nine hundred. You can call or text us to get into the show. With Logan Ward, I'm Joel Silverberg from the Budweiser Studios of Cumulus Broadcasting. 656-9900, what is the most important game on Tennessee's schedule this year? We'll discuss that throughout the course of the show. All of that and more coming up next right here on Saturday Sports Talk on the Sports Animal. 656-9900 is how you can call or text in if you would like to talk to us. Joel Silverberg and Logan Ward. Eric Kane will be here at about 1030 as he is over on campus covering UT football practice. They're in pads today. Exciting time of the year. And so we're having the conversation of. What what is the most important game on Tennessee's schedule? And. I, I think there are a lot of toss ups, and I think that's kind of the way it is now in the SEC a lot nowadays, and. You know, it, it was funny because in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was only really one swing game on Tennessee's schedule, and it was the Florida game. And now you've got a lot of swing games because South Carolina is improving. Kentucky is a significantly better program than it was in the past.
1: Some Alabama, people don't want to realize that, though.
0: Alabama and Georgia are juggernauts. And, well, I mean, the standard for Tennessee is that you beat Kentucky, and I understand that, but they are they are a significantly better coach team than what they've been throughout the course of their program's history. Um, Florida is not at its best state right now. Typically they have been in the past, but uh, and you've got a pit team that's coming off an ACC title. So you have a lot of teams that could legitimately pose a threat to you if you're not careful. And, and so there are potential landmines out there, but I do think Tennessee is you know, still has a little more talent than Kentucky and South Carolina. I would say they have more talent than Missouri um, I would expect Tennessee to be favored in those games, but you've got to make sure that you can go out and compete and take care of business against the Pitts, Florida's, LSU's of the world and you know try to take a step forward at closing the gap against schools like Alabama and Georgia. So when you look at this schedule and look at the possible layout and the goals that Tennessee's trying to achieve, what stands out to you as the most important game on Tennessee's schedule?
1: It comes down to three games, okay? And you can make a compelling argument for... All three of those games, but one just kind of stands out. The three games I'm talking about are Week 2 at Pitt. I recognize you want to get off to a good start playing a a decent ACC team. That's going to be a fringe top 25 team. Week 4 against Florida. I'll get back to that here in a moment. And then October 29th against Kentucky. I think those three games kind of stand out as, okay, you need to win those games. But those two games, Pitt and Kentucky, are nowhere near as important as week four against Florida. It would set a horrible, horrible precedent for Josh Heupel, allowing another Florida head coach to come in here and just say, hey, new coach, but I coach at Florida, so we just beat Tennessee every single year. Whatever the streak is at now, 16 of 17, 17 of 18, a lot of those games, sure, the McElwain games were close. A couple of the, you know, mush-champ butch Jones games were close. The last three years have been absolute blowouts. I mean, they've been blowouts. Even last year, a Florida team was not good. If you lose to Florida this year, we're going to be asking the same question that we asked about Georgia last year. If Georgia didn't win the national title last year, when were they realistically going to do it? If they don't beat Florida this year... If not now, when this is the best chance you got with everything coming back on offense for Tennessee, you want to see an improved defense, Josh Heupel kind of having a very positive, electric, hype, pun intended, outlook for the fan base, and then a first year head coach with depth issues down there at Florida. It's got to be Florida. It has to be Florida. If you lose to Florida, you're staring three losses right in a row. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's Florida. Because Florida,
0: Alabama, and Georgia have been the three games that define Tennessee's season every single year. And right now, Tennessee is in a stretch where it has lost 16 of 17 to the Gators. And now granted, that is still technically better than Tennessee's recent stretch against Alabama. Um, And, and Tennessee's got multiple wins over Georgia in that span. But the thing with Florida is that In most cases, there have been a couple of exceptions over the year, but but in most cases, Florida is Tennessee's SEC opener. And so starting 0-1 on an almost annual basis for more than a decade and a half in SEC play makes it insanely difficult to win the SEC East, which is why, since this run has started, Tennessee has one division title, and that came in 2007, and Tennessee lost to the Gators by 39 only five of these 16 losses have been by single digits. Five out of 16. Less than a third of these games that Tennessee has lost to Florida have been by single digits. Not one score, single digits. It's been a lot of blowouts, Joel. it has been a couple of 10-point losses, but... Those have been some low-scoring defensive games where Tennessee has not been able to generate an offense. Uh, The big trend has been Tennessee's inability to run the football. It's been a really tough stretch. I realize that I'm kind of piling on the, the issue here, but there is a legitimate opportunity where you can look at this from the preseason. I think in years past, whenever there's been optimism surrounding the Florida game, it's been because you know, Tennessee takes care of business against non-conference opponents, Florida loses to Kentucky or doesn't look good against East Carolina, like what happened during the Jim McElwain era. Or there's just something about Florida that looks off and it's, Hey, maybe Tennessee's just going to peak at the right time and is playing well. And they've got this guy back and that guy back and Florida has got some dysfunction. And then in some of those cases, Florida would just come out and blow out Tennessee, like Josh and Swain were talking a couple weeks ago about the Admiral Schofield hype video before the 2018 Florida game. That was
1: the first Jeremy Pruitt versus Dan Mullen game. Yeah, I mean it was a blowout. It was a rout, and it, it was, was very well. It, it was early, very that. early on in the uh, first half. It got yeah. I mean Tennessee
0: gave up two touchdowns, had turned the ball over twice, and had given up two touchdowns in the first five minutes. I mean, it, I don't know if I've ever seen a game start worse for Tennessee. And, you know, Tennessee ends up losing by 26. They committed like six turnovers, like everything that could have gone wrong. You had the fumble through the end zone uh, on the fourth down trick play that nearly worked. Oh, yeah, the
1: touchback, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is, for this year's purposes, I don't want to say, okay, this game is Josh Heupel's most important game that, that he's ever coached in his whole entire coaching career. There's not even a close second in my mind. Maybe he coached against Memphis in a you know AAC championship game, but I mean, come on here. This is his most important game that he has ever coached in his coaching career. And maybe not for this year's purposes because Joel, for all we know, Anthony Richardson is the most raw but the most talented quarterback, one of them in the whole entire country. What if he comes up here and he puts up three hundred and fifty yards of combined offense and just does whatever he wants? Florida can win that game. So for this year, it might not be Josh Heupel's most important game in terms of his tenure. We won't see it this year. But if they lose to Florida, with that off week the next week, going into LSU, there's going to be a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people, and I think rightfully so, you have to question Josh Heupel's future. Not, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but you have to question some people will doubt him that he can get over that Florida hump, get that monkey off his back. This is Josh Heupel's most important game, and it's not even close. His whole coaching career. Yeah, I mean, I think it's
0: up there. I think you, when you consider... Now, I would also go ahead and say the idea of, well, if not now, then when? Next year? Like, like I'm, I'm... But is Florida going to be this down again? No, but I think it's possible that Tennessee can be better. Next year? Yeah.
1: Losing I mean, Hindenhooker, I mean, losing Cedric Tilden. It's going to be tough,
0: but I think in other areas, Tennessee can continue to develop. I think the defense can get significantly better because the defense has a
1: lot of room to grow. I think it's just a perfect storm for Tennessee this year.
0: And, and Nico may not be this freshman phenom. It sets up well for Tennessee this year, sure. But, you know, if next year, if Nico, okay, he has some freshman growing pains. Adjust well, you know, maybe by the time he's a sophomore, is he ready for a big game like Florida? I, I just think that when you consider what josh heupel has done with quarterbacks over the course of his career yes losing hendon hooker's unfortunate based on the season that he had a year ago for tennessee but i also don't think he's going to be the last good quarterback that josh heupel ever has no i agree so i think you know taking in a five-star quarterback like nico and maybe as a freshman next year against florida it might be too early but also what if billy napier doesn't figure it out this year because it's it's not like beating tennessee
1: has saved any past florida coach right and they have a they have Utah week one and then Kentucky in there before they got to come Knoxville. And I mean, play, Florida, Florida could be a three loss team by the time we get to October. I and That's why I am picking Tennessee to beat uh, Florida because I think Florida is going to be a good team this year. I don't think their record's going to show that because they have a very tough schedule with Utah game one. But I mean, I got to wonder, I mean, Florida, they have a ton of depth issues at receiver, a ton of depth issues um, on the offensive line, on the on the defensive line, running back's okay. But there's some major depth issues down there in Gainesville, and I just kind of wonder if they're going to be banged up coming here. It's got to be a win for Tennessee. There's no excuse this year. This year, as we stand right here, right now, given what we know about these two teams, if Tennessee loses to Florida, there no excuses can be made. No excuses can be made. I don't want to sit here in December and say, well, if we would have played them the the last week of the season, don't be lazy. I won't allow that to happen. There is no excuse this year if Tennessee does not Florida. And that's where the
0: college football playoff selection committee comes in, is that they want the entire season to count. And, you know, look back on Bo Nix his freshman year when they upset, or I wouldn't say upset, but when they beat Oregon and stunned Oregon on the last second touchdown pass on the season opener. If Oregon doesn't have that loss, there's a chance they go to the college football playoff as the Pac-12 champion. And Mario Mario Cristobal kind of pointed out, he was like, what's the point of us even scheduling that game if it's going to ultimately keep us from getting in? And they were a two-loss team, so you didn't really have a reason to complain. But um, also, don't lose to Herm Edwards in Arizona State late in the year and really screw yourself over. But it's, you know, it kind of goes to show you've got to be good in September. It's not just a matter of, okay, we're going to... We're going to figure it out as we go along, and we're going to take some lumps. You've got to be good in September. And it's tough when you have to play Florida every September. That ain't easy. But Tennessee has lost a lot of September games in the last 15 years. A lot of September games that it shouldn't have, and not just to Florida. Georgia State, BYU, two times to UCLA back over a decade ago. It's been, it's been tough going at times for Tennessee. Uh, you had the Cal loss one year, so... I just think that for Tennessee, it's about getting off to a strong start because if you get that Florida win, sure, you go into a bye week, but think about what that does for you going into the LSU game. Yeah, 4-0. Potentially, yeah. 656-9900. Call or text us if you would like to join the conversation with Logan Ward. I'm Joel Silverberg. Saturday Sports Talk continues next right here on the Sports Animal. Okay, so the the consensus among the two of us is that Florida is Tennessee's most important game of the season. Now, it obviously does not prove everything. It's just a game that you definitely don't want to lose. Because if Tennessee does beat Florida, that's great. But as you mentioned in the last segment, if Florida is down, more down than they're probably ever going to be in the Billy Napier era, that's not exactly going to guarantee you that oh you beat florida we'll
1: hear your wins against lsu south carolina kentucky and missouri the rest of the way and it just sets a bad precedent i think for the you know next several games of the series between florida and tennessee it's just as you mentioned not now win would you
0: rather go 9 and 3 with a blowout loss to florida or 8 and 4 with or would you yeah 9 and 3 with a blowout loss to florida or 8 and 4 with losses to pitt and lsu
1: oh boy I think it's about even. I don't know which one I'd rather have. I mean, nine wins in year two. Yeah, I'd rather go nine and three. But then you have to say, I mean, what did those Georgia and Alabama losses look like? If it's a nine and three season for Tennessee this year, and you know, we're just kind of, you know, what if spitballing here. If it's a nine and three season with blowout losses to Florida, Alabama, Georgia. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You beat Kentucky, you beat Missouri, Tennessee you beat hasn't South even, Carolina. Tennessee hasn't even had that in 15 years. That's true. But then you just kind of... Okay, you made some progress, but did you make any real progress that's worth anything? Yeah. You didn't, Did you? You didn't drop games to teams like Pitt. Okay, but Tennessee should always beat those teams. Expectations-wise. It, it The expectations up here have not been, okay, you're going to lose to... Florida Alabama the, Georgia the expect- and then who are you going to lose else okay to? but the, but the
0: expectations are also that you shouldn't lose to Florida Alabama and Georgia every season yes those three teams are very very good in the SEC but the standard at Tennessee is not that you just accept those three losses every year so it, it's
1: you yes to you should them.
0: you should be able to right but you should be able to beat all those other teams but the thing is, is that Tennessee hasn't done that Tennessee has lost to at least one team every year, not named Florida, Alabama, or Georgia every season since 2007. And Oh, and actually technically beyond that, because in 2007, they lost to Cal. But like, my point is, is that even when they've gone, you know, their best seasons in the last 15 years have resulted in them losing to somebody else. So because Tennessee hasn't gone just nine and three, so there's always a fourth team that clips them in there. So, to be able to just achieve get back to the standard of not losing to anybody not named Florida, Alabama, or Georgia is the first step. So I think if you get back to 9 and 3, yeah, that Florida loss is going to sting, but it happens in September. Okay, you got the win over Pitt. If like if Tennessee loses to Florida and then 2 weeks later goes to Baton Rouge and wins, I don't know if all is forgiven. But I think fans immediately become optimistic again. I, I think, think you just start feeling excited about the Alabama game.
1: But I think nine and three with those blowout losses to your three, you know, quote unquote big rivals, it is I mean, after November twenty sixth, you wake up November twenty seventh on on a Sunday after beating Vanderbilt. You kind of think, okay, nine and three, yeah, we're, you know, we're supposed to, you know, we'll see what LSU is this year. But, I mean, blowout losses to those three teams. I think, yes, record-wise, you show progress. Eight and four, record-wise, you show progress. I want to see where those four and three losses come from, though. Or how they happen, and who they are against, and what, you know, the circumstances surrounding those losses. It's progress. I don't think it's huge progress, but I I agree with you, you know, that is the next step for Tennessee to consistently on a year-to- year basis, beat the Kentuckys. they do that every year, beat the Missouris, beat the South Carolinas, beat the Vanderbilts. That has to happen, and then you go up and challenge those teams, but just what we know right now, a blowout loss to Florida, I think that holds a whole lot of weight and that would leave a whole lot of people very empty at the end of the season. I think it I think it holds a lot of weight, but I think you're
0: in a better place than the situation that we talked about before, where if you go 8-4, and but the four losses are blowouts, then it's kind of like, well, you better start winning big. Now you've got to make a bigger jump from year two to year three, whereas, okay, we we know that we are capable of beating all of these other teams, but against our three giants in our league, now we can start to focus in on
1: them. What would be your most important game for Tennessee? Is it Kentucky? Or Pitt. I think it's between those two. But I also think that Pitt just lost so much. And Pat Narduzzi has had a horrible, horrible offseason.
0: I think it's Kentucky because over the last several years, you can make the argument that Kentucky's been the better program and has outplayed Tennessee in the head-to-head series. Because last year, it was not easy for Tennessee to get out of Lexington with a win. The last time Kentucky came to Knoxville, that did not go well for Tennessee. Jared Garantano threw more touchdown passes to the opposing team than his own. Um... In 2017, Tennessee lost to Kentucky. 2020 was close. Um, Or no, excuse me, the 2019 game was close. Tennessee had to rally to win that one. So it it has not been easy against Kentucky, but there's still that optics of uh, Kentucky's not a team that you lose to. You mentioned it earlier in the hour. Some people don't want to acknowledge that Kentucky's a better program. That's still not a game that you wanna lose.
1: I think it's Kentucky. You do not want to go one and three in October. I don't care if you beat Florida. I'm picking them to beat I'm picking them to uh, to lose to LSU, lost to Alabama, obviously you get a win against UT Martin. You lose to Kentucky and you know, you look there in October you're one and three. You still gotta play Georgia and go to South Carolina. I think it's Kentucky. I could make the argument for Pitt because you want to get off on a good start. But with that being said, you always seemingly always beat Kentucky. Kentucky is going to be a really good team with Levis, Rodriguez. Mark Stoops always has a very solid team on defense at linebacker. And then obviously the offensive line has been fantastic the last several years for Kentucky. They're having to replace some guys. sure, No doubt about it. Some guys who are going to play in the NFL this year. But I mean, I just look at the schedule. Joel. You've got to get Kentucky. You have to get Kentucky. Even if you beat Pitt and Florida, you have to get Kentucky.
0: Yeah, and you could kind of say that about the rest of the the other lesser SEC games on the schedule too. Like those are, you're not going to be happy if you lose to Missouri or South Carolina but Kentucky is at least a good enough program where if you beat them, you can say, Hey, it's a good win. And it's not like a solid win. It's not a great win, but it's like, Oh, okay. Good team. Yeah, it's got, it's, good it's a solid win. Good, good win. job. But it's also like, okay, what do you want? A cookie? Like you, you, you still should be able to beat them. Exactly. But it's nice that you went out. Now, if Tennessee went and blew out Kentucky, I think that's where that game kind of starts to raise some eyebrows because then it's like Kentucky is a good program. And Mark Stoops is a good coach, and so if Josh Heupel goes out and instead of it needing to be some chaotic game where Tennessee needs a defensive stop to win this 45-42 game, instead, if Tennessee plays better on defense and goes out and wins 45-10, to well, then I think fans are fired up. So I think there's potential to create some sparks with that game, but it's definitely a game that you are going to be very upset about
1: if Tennessee doesn't pull off the win. I think so, too, and I just kind of get back to the point that once again, I'll say it again. You don't want to go one and three in October, right? In the meat of your season. But I would think it really kind of comes down to the second most important game is week two at Pitt or Kentucky.
0: 656-9900. We'll put a bow on hour number one of today's edition of Saturday Sports Talk. When we come back, be sure to call or text us at 656-9900. 866 656 Outside the local calling area, star 990, a free call for AT&T and US cellular customers with Logan Ward I'm Joel Silverberg Saturday Sports Talk continues next right here on 99.1 The Sports Animal <laughs> Logan I thought of you last night I uh, I went to a uh, That's nice. I went to my first uh I saw like a live music performance for the first time in a while uh, so a buddy of mine is in the band Joey's Van uh, and they were playing at Poor Tap Room on the Jackson Terminal last night. And they are a uh, '90s 2000s pop punk cover band. Interesting. And I thought of you because you don't know any of that music.
1: Correct. You're you're right. That that is not my genre of music.
0: But so um, they uh, they covered they covered a bunch of great bands, but they covered some stuff by Blink 182. And I thought of you.
1: Interesting. That's funny. Since you. Uh, thought that they were like Nickelback no so I was so whenever you wanted to play that music and I'll tell you the story behind that and you know whatever whenever you were saying you don't know what Blink-182 is I thought that I was playing that song just to maybe make Josh mad or someone else mad just because you made someone else mad on the station by playing Nickelback that's why I was comparing them to Nickelback I was like is this going to be kind of a joke a troll Like that time you played Nickelback from 9 to noon and made someone mad. Well, that's not the way you phrased it. Well, that was what I was meaning. Uh, Well, no, everybody loves Blink 182.
0: On this station, anyway. Like, people aren't complaining. Like, you're not going to get flack from any of our hosts if you're playing Blink 182 as bumps.
1: Okay, it's fine. It's just solid punk music.
0: And as their Twitter account states, crappy punk rock since 1992. 30 years ago, 656, 9900. So, the second most important game on Tennessee's schedule. A lot of thought about Kentucky. I think Pitt or LSU might actually take the cake. Cause I think those are one of the, the swing games. Kentucky is very important. I just think going on the road and and picking up a road win against a really good program. And I don't know if as I'm, if I'm as bullish on the Vols as you are, when it comes to the pit game, I think Tennessee should win. I don't know if Tennessee will go out and smash Pitt, but it, I mean,
1: it's been such a weird off season for the, for the Panthers that. I don't know, maybe they will take a step back. And that's what I kind of get to. You lose Kenny Pickett. You got some guys coming back on the defense, and a Pat Narduzzi defensive line has always coached very, very well. You're without the best receiver in the country. In my mind, Jordan Addison, who won the Blitnikoff Award last year, a Heisman contender and Kenny Pickett, a team that won the ACC yesterday, in you know, a very Clemson, kind of down year, even though they still won 10 games. I'm... I just kind of look at everything that has gone on. This does not set up well that early. Week 2, after they have to play West Virginia, having to host Tennessee for Pitt, I don't... It's just gonna... I get a weird feeling about that game, where Tennessee's just gonna come out and they're gonna roll. Because Pat Narduzzi was mad at his offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, for having one of the best offenses in the country last year. And we... We know this about this Josh Hypel offense, which is part of the reason why I was so floored at what Mark Stoops in Kentucky did last year, and they couldn't even beat Tennessee playing up to their speed. You have to play to Tennessee speed to have a chance. You can't play ball control. You can't protect the clock. You can't if you're Alabama and Georgia, because that's, for the most part, what Georgia did last year, but Pitt can't do that. They're not as talented as Georgia. Everything just lines up in my mind, Joel, for Tennessee just to go in there and just take care of Pitt, no problem.
0: Where the biggest battle might come into play that will help Keaton Slovis is that Pitt has its entire offensive line coming back. And all five starters are seniors. So obviously that helps you a lot. Slovis coming in, okay. I think it's I think he's a downgrade from Kenny Pickett. There have been Oh no, yeah. There are a lot of people that feel like, yeah, you know, he's a he's a talented guy who's gonna come in, he's gonna pick up right where Kenny Pickett left off. No, he is not. He does not have Jordan Addison coming back. Um, you know, you you have Jared Wayne returning, but I, I still think that a playmaker like Addison losing him, you did not have one particular running back that kind of just took over what you were able to do. Now, uh, you have Israel Abanaconda, who averaged over five yards per carry last year with an offensive line returning. Okay, maybe the rushing attack can be successful for Pitt, but if Keenan Slovis isn't the answer quarterback, then Tennessee can key in and load guys up in the box. Um, but I do think that you're, you're looking at a team that is missing so much because of its biggest playmakers, with a coach that has never really been better than eight and four prior to last year, and Pat Narduzzi's been at Pitt for a hot minute. It's not like he's like, okay, a couple of down years, and then suddenly we just broke out and won the ACC. No, like last year, this is a seventh season at Pitt, and so you've got seven defensive starters coming back. That's great. I, I think overall, it's a game that Tennessee should win. I don't think it's going to sit well with Vol fans if if Tennessee drops this game. I think Pitt's good. I don't think Pitt's great. And I think the biggest reason for me that Tennessee needs this game is because Tennessee should have beaten Pitt last year. And I know that you don't want to compare things year to year. But I just think Pitt's getting worse and Tennessee's getting better. And that should open up the door for Tennessee to be able to notch a win against the Panthers, and so that's that's why I think
1: that Pitt is pretty important, especially because it's so early in the season. I hear you. I think if because obviously you don't want to go into Florida and you have you know a loss already and didn't have to play the whole SEC schedule with a loss on your schedule. I get what you're saying, and I do agree with you. It'd be the third most important game in my mind. I would value Pitt a whole lot more with the problems that Tennessee does have. Now I think the secondary is going to be very much improved from what it was last year especially late in the year, because early in the year, the defense was, it was good. It wasn't great. It was a solid, you know, average to a little bit above average defense, certainly. I would value Pitt a whole lot more to give Tennessee some problems. I think Slovis will be fine, but I think Slovis would be a whole lot better if he had the best receiver in the country to throw to. If Jordan Addison was on this team, I said it in the offseason, Before he got tampered with, reportedly, allegedly, by Pat Narduzzi and goes to USC. I said that I think, I thought that Pittsburgh was a tougher game for Tennessee than Florida. Now, those two have definitely switched with, you know, Addison going to USC. But with the problems that Tennessee has now, I don't know if Pitt has anyone to take advantage of that. Like they just lost with Jordan Addison. We will come back
0: 656 9900. If you'd like to join us, we still have two hours left to play with here on Saturday Sports Talk. Eric Kane will be by momentarily after he wraps up all of his coverage for Tennessee football practice. So we'll get a fall camp update from Eric Kane. When we return, Logan Ward is here. I'm Joel Silverberg, live from the Budweiser Studios of Cumulus Broadcasting. 656-9900 is the phone number if you'd like to call or text to join the conversation right here on 99.1, the Sports Animal. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here with us. Voiceover—that that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm right. not a good singer. This is a great singer. Seth McFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.